Hi, it's a pleasure being here. My name is Ronnie Stöfferle. I'm managing partner at uh, Liechtenstein-based Incrementum AG. We're a wealth manager and a fund management company. Um, we are managing six investment funds at the moment. Um, but I think most people know me because um, 14 years ago, I started writing this little piece about gold called In Gold We Trust. And uh, this year we published um, another brick of a report, more than 400 pages. Um, and yeah, so that's that's really uh, what I very, very much care about. Uh, researching the topic of gold, thinking about gold, writing about gold, talking about gold. Um, I published two books. Uh, one was called The Austrian School um, for Investors, Austrian Investing Between Inflation and Deflation. Not because I'm from Austria, but I also very much adhere to the Austrian School of Economics. And the second one was called The Zero Rate Trap. So that's my professional life. Besides that, I'm a proud father of three girls and I'm a keen follower of Austrian football, which uh, isn't too easy <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> so the, the thing that struck out, the hardest thing that you do there is the father of three girls. I've got two. Nightmare. Uh, good luck to you. Uh, good luck. Um, right. Okay. A few, a few things there. Like you say, um, obviously, um, you're at Incrementum, which is the Lichtenstein-based uh, um, fund. Um, but people, you're right, people do know you for the um, In Gold We Trust reports. It comes out every year. Many, many fans of that, um, and uh, include, including us. So you, st you started, how many years has that been going now? Uh, 14. Wow. Okay. So you love gold, we love gold, so we should be a good conversation. And so talk to me, talk to me first of all about the um, the kind of the, the mood around gold at the moment. If I'm an equities investor in, in gold, I don't know. I'm sucking my teeth. I'm a little bit nervous. What, what do you think? Well, actually, I, 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 from my point of view, it's 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 a great setup, um, and we're seeing some sort of um, divergence between the market sentiment on the one hand and. On the other hand, what the price of gold is actually doing and, and showing us. Um, Matthew, I think we shouldn't forget that gold in dollar terms, for example, is up 5% uh, year to date. That uh, in Aussie dollar terms, it's up 12%. Uh, in Japanese yen, it's up 18%. Um, people tend to forget that, that gold is pretty close to its all-time highs. Um, and, and I think the most staggering and... and, and promising thing is that the price of gold has held up so tremendously um, in an environment of fastly or, or strongly or aggressively rising real rates. So, so at the moment, we're seeing real rates at uh, roughly 2% plus. They used to be deeply negative for the last couple of years. And we always said it is not the absolute level of real interest rates, but rather the direction that we see rising or falling real rates. So if you would have told me last year, um, well, real rates uh, are plus 2%, where's the price of gold going to be? I would have probably said 1,600, 1,700, something like that. So this is really staggering. So from my point of view, once we see... Um, that first of all, um, uh, inflation rates pick up again and, and we forecast another wave of inflation. And on the other hand, also that um, the Federal Reserve has to back down um, with this 
really historic rate hike cycle, I think this exactly will be the point in time when gold really picks up momentum and when we make uh, new all-time highs in dollar terms as well. Well, I, I, I hope everything else also accelerates off the back of, you know, the rate hikes, well, stopping all these rate hikes because um, it, it's, been, it's been a tough couple of years for everyone on all fronts. But, let, let, but sticking with gold, let, let, let's talk about some of the other factors that are fueling gold's resurgence. So you've got, obviously, central banks, after years of selling off and de trying to decouple gold, um, you know, from... Um, you know, from their own monetary systems, they're buying again. So that's obviously good news. I mean, what what should we make of that? I think that's, I mean, this this, this has been one of the, the key takeaways of, of this year's In Gold We Trust report. We say, um, well, actually, I think that the West is kind of losing control um, over the gold price. Uh, I think that the price of gold is you know, going forward will be much, much more influenced by, um, you know, what's going on in Mumbai, in Shanghai and in Dubai and less um, from the flows in New York, London and and Zurich. And I think that, you know, first of all, it is central bank buying that is um, that has really picked up momentum. Uh, we basically saw an all time high uh, in 2022. Um, the first half of this year has all also been pretty good. I think the highest numbers, the highest purchases from central banks since the year 2000. Um, and it is obviously, um, you know, emerging market um, countries that continue to buy gold. But it has also been, for example, Poland, Hungary uh, and Singapore. So it is not only this kind of axis of evil that is buying gold now, you know, um, also as a, you know, as a consequence to um, the sanctions against Russia, uh, it is also some, 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 some other countries, um, as mentioned, like Singapore, for example. Um, I think the second thing that is very important to consider is that we see central bank uh, action being pretty strong, but then also when it comes to the long-term uh, trend, let's call it the, the love trade um, coming from emerging markets. Um, if you go to a, a, a souk in, in Dubai, if you, you know, um, go to India, if you go to Shanghai, you can see that, you know, in daily life, gold is just playing a much, much more important role than if you compare it to, I don't know, to London or New York. Um, so if you go into a, a bank in London and say, well, I want to buy some gold coins, I think you will be ridiculed. Um, in, 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 in Shanghai, in India, it's just normal. Interestingly, also in Austria, um, where we've got a very strong gold tradition. Um, and the third thing that is um, important from my point of view is that um, many emerging markets are also very important gold producers. So China and Russia are now the, the two largest gold producers. Um, then we should not forget um, that, you know, those, those numbers um, are just staggering. You know, we had it in the, in the report. Um, China and India imported 34,000 34, tons of gold over the last 20 years. And it's not really coming back. So I think one of the main messages is really um, gold is flowing from the Western world to the Eastern world. Um, 
they've got much, much more affinity for gold. Those players are not financial market participants. So I think the the, the price um, behavior of gold is, is, is clearly changing. Tell me some of this. It's, it's kind of an interesting time. Uh, you're right, because uh, not just because of the kind of whole Russia-Ukraine situation, but also talk of um, this um, distrust of fiat currencies and what governments have been doing with that over the past several decades. But talk of maybe decoupling from the dollar, which is obviously you know all, all powerful currency. Um, you know, up up until recently, I, I, I suspect. And you've got China. Russia, India, and and others, and they're kind of and they're kind of you know, recent BRIC conversations talking about maybe a new currency to compete with the dollar. What do you think gold's role in that is? Well, you know, Matthew, we are, we are writing about this de-dollarization trend already for I think seven or eight years in the Gold We Trust report, and and just as a reminder, uh, I I, I fought, found an article which was called. The dollar fades as a reserve currency. When was it published? It was published in the Business Week in March 1978. So, of course, this topic is a um, is a topic that is around for quite a while. And and I think you know um, if if the Russian embassy in Kenya uh, announces on Twitter that there will be a gold-backed BRICS currency. I, I would take that with a grain of salt. So, so, so I said in advance before the BRICS summit, well, you know, hold your horses. Um, it will be, don't expect too much. However, I think that, you know, um, the announcement that, that the BRICS will welcome six new members, uh, uh, I think starting from January next year, Saudi Arabia, Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, United Arab Emirates, um, I think that's 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 quite significant, um, and and from my point of view, this is a topic that uh, that I didn't see too many comments on. Um, what stands out is it's all about energy, it's all about oil. Um, let's not forget that, as uh, I think Luke Roman quoted another another was a, um, a very famous um, blogger. Um, Talking about uh, our, our currency system, and 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 he said that the base layer of our globalized financial system is not the U.S. All about is rather energy, and if we have a look at uh, energy exporting nations, well, actually Saudi Arabia, Russian Federation, United Arab Emirates, and Iran, they account for fifty percent of global oil exports. So I think this is really really significant. Um, will you know, the BRICS come out with a new reserve currency uh, in the near future? I don't think so. Because, you know, to establish such a currency, you need sophisticated infrastructure, and they're clearly working on that. Um, you need an enormous amount of trust. And I'm not sure if India and China really trust each other so much. Um, I think you need... Um, you know the the, the 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 setup also in the banking system. It, it is pretty complex, and and you know if we go back, um, you know um, the euro, um, it, it it took them basically like twenty twenty five years to establish everything around the euro system. 
So this is going to take time. Obviously, this process has already started a couple of years ago. Um, but I think the, the, um, the trade currency question is much, much more important than the reserve currency question. When it comes to reserve currencies, I think it will take time. I think the, the euro is much more threatened from the new BRICS or whatever currency than the US dollar is. But when it comes to trade settlement, I think we're seeing basically on a daily basis so many um, bilateral trade agreements where, you know, China and Saudi Arabia, they don't settle in, in, in US dollar terms anymore, but rather in the local currency. So there's quite a lot going on. But I think um, it, it, it has been a little bit, expectations have been a little bit too high. Right. Okay. And it, and I guess it is early days, but it's, it's a question I say, it does come up regularly. Yes. And it needs dealing with, reg, you know, as and when it does come up. But so again, back, back to kind of the basic premise of the, of the, of the last question I asked, which is right. So we've seen that increased buying from two of the biggest producers of, of gold. What do we make of that? What is gold's role? Because I'm, I'm used to, in banking days, a certain set of rules that gold abided by. And you could, you, in, in moments, economic moments like this, you go, it's it's a store of you know w wealth, it's uh, it's safe harbor. It's all of those wonderful things that you know people usually say when the markets have gone to hell in a handbasket. Um, what do you think the rules are going forward? C can you read them? Can you look back historically and say, I know how gold's going to behave? Or is there kind of a new kind of dynamic that we need to be aware of in, in, in the case of gold? That's a good question. Um, so you basically, just just to, 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 to make sure, you, you, you would like to know if the, the trading pattern has, has changed or if, you know, the yeah, it, it, yeah Yeah, as the trading pattern has changed, are the decisions that are being made, are they being predicated on the, are they predicated on the same sorts of questions that were asked before or people saying, well, actually, this is a new economic reality we we now find ourselves in, in terms of the, the, the debt pile, in terms of the way people view gold, and the fact that there are conversations going on by governments about alternative currencies. Uh, we have, you know, come off the back of, you know, an attempt by Bitcoin to usurp, you know, fears or certainly long conversations about it, and governments talking about digital currencies and so forth. So, so does gold have the same kind of role that it has historically, and if not, what what are we what should we think? Um, well, that's that. First of all, it's a great question, Matthew, um, and it's not easy to answer. I can just give you a couple of thought on thoughts on that. Um, we published a paper that was called um, "Inflation and the Boy Who Cried Wolf." We published that in fall 2020 and said, "Well, actually, um, inflation will become a concern." Now it would be the time to slowly and gradually raise interest rates, to take liquidity out of the system. Um, but as we know, you know, um, the Federal Reserve and also the ECB, they, they didn't read our report, uh, obviously. So um, still in the year 2021 and up basically to spring 2022, they told us it's transitory. It's then, uh, as Madame Lagarde famously said, and then actually they 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 had to jump on the brake. Um, and what we saw um, on the on the interest rate side 
Uh, from my point of view, it is, how should I put it, an, an accident waiting to happen. Um, I've been talking to so many um, business owners, to real estate developers, and you know, it's 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 really getting um, frightening. I have to say, and 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 I think that um, everybody is, is is primarily looking at at economic indicators that that actually tell us what has happened over the last couple of months, and you know, they tend to be uh, revised, and and it takes quite a lot of time actually for those uh, rate hikes to really um, have an effect on the economy. There's a huge time lag involved. Um, and I think this, um, this, this um, rate hike is um, basically being compensated by very, very aggressive um, fiscal policy. So we wrote a report that was called um, um, the Monetary Climate Change, where we said, well, actually, um, fiscal policy is taking over and the COVID crisis definitely was the trigger for that development. Um, now, what we are seeing now is that actually, um, and, and I think Jay Powell, um, uh, Jackson Hole, he, if you read his, his body language, you can tell that he's not really happy um, about the development that, um, that inflation has made recently. So he would have expected inflation numbers to come down much more dramatically and much faster. Um, and I think he's kind of underestimating the fiscal impact um, that, that we're seeing. So what I see at the moment is this highly deflationary um, uh, monetary policy where we've got, you know, rate hikes, but then we also have quantitative tightening, basically uh, taking a little bit more than a trillion um, out of the system. And it's not only in the U.S., it's basically all over the world. And then on the other hand, you've got this inflationary impulse um, of fiscal policy. Now, actually, we probably have seen the lows in, in inflation rates. From my point of view, inflation numbers will... Uh, go up over the next couple of, uh, of, of months um, due to uh, a, a couple of factors like the base effect, um, but also this wage price spiral that is just starting to spin. So, so I think that that people will um, I, let, let's put it that way. I think that people, for the first time, basically in forty years in the Western world. Um, are experiencing what inflation does, what inflation feels like. Uh, we are moving into sort of a you know emerging market environment um, that doesn't have to necessarily be be a bad thing. You know, we are all, uh, or mo let's say most people are nominal thinkers, so they say, well, I actually got you know my paycheck is up ten percent um, on a nominal basis. That's that's terrific. Um, so let's go spend. Um, but then on the other hand, I think that at some point um, people will realize, well, actually, you know, uh, it, it, it's just my, my, my savings. And, and for example, in, in Austria, there's like uh, 300 billion euros lying around on savings accounts uh, uh, under 10%. That, that's quite significant uh, destruction of, um, of purchasing power. So from my point of view, we are all now moving into a more inflationary environment. And, 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 and I, Matthew, I've 
delivered keynotes in, I think, 30 or 35 con uh, countries all over the globe, on every continent. And I was talking about gold. And the best questions have always been asked in Turkey. Why in Turkey? Because they're, they're used to a rubbish currency. They're used to very high inflation. Um, so for them, for, for investors, for asset managers in Turkey, um, inflation is basically the first thing that they consider when it comes to asset allocation. So they, they, they always ask, you know, in those asset allocation meetings, what's your view on inflation is going up or down? Uh, in the Western world, you know, inflation hasn't been a topic at all. There are basically no asset managers around that, you know, navigated through the inflationary 1970s. Um, there's very, very few asset managers, younger asset managers that actually care about monetary history. Um, if you study for the CFA, for example, well, actually, you learn quite a lot of, uh, you know, very technical things, but not too much about monetary history. So, so I think that if inflation will remain very sticky, and this is one of our calls, then I think people will reconsider um, a gold as a portfolio hedge. Um, and, and I think that's, that's going to be really um, the main driver for gold when it comes to Western financial investors. But for now, if you have a look at ETF flows, Western financial investors couldn't care less about gold. Um, you know, we're seeing this, this echo bubble again, um, you know, in the, in the tech space, obviously, um, I think, uh, I don't know the, 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 the numbers, but, um, the dominance of the tech space, I think it's, it's still seven out of the largest 10, um, uh, stocks in the S and P are from the tech space. So, so I think that, um, you know, investors haven't really learned their lessons. But, but many start to, to reconsider and, and, and think, well, actually, inflation, um, it might stick around. We're not going back to, to the previous um, great moderation scheme. So, so I think this should be another main uh, driver for gold going forward. Essentially, we, we, we could, we've covered off you know, central bank purchases. We talked about real interest rates. And, and you know, I, I guess if we were talking five years ago, it would have been negative real interest rates. You know, inflation, the effect of inflation. But what what, we, what you just mentioned there is kind of financial market instability. And um, I, as a uh, quote that was thrown at me a couple of years ago, it just made me think about the size of the, of the market and therefore gold's ability to kind of punch above its weight, as it were, which was if you look at, you know, if you rolled up all of the kind of mining companies, I, I, know, I know you're a director of, of Tudor Gold, but you don't necessarily well, this to be a conversation about equities is more macro, but if you rolled up all of the mining companies from the smallest exploration company to the you know largest you know BHP Rios of this world, combine it to one company, it would be roughly about half the size of Apple, one technology company. It shows you how small the space is, right? You, you, you know, and I know you know that because you're talking about the the actually energy is the real driver in terms of the kind of geopolitics and 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 all of those relationships and conversations and narratives happening, but. But gold is what we're here to discuss and whether the power of gold in in its relationship to, um, you know, you know, you know monetary, monetary, as a monetary asset. And I, I'm just intrigued to see, can it punch above its weight? 
can it help stabilize um you know the the this kind of we're we're in it now this periodic sort of Ill, Ill, illiquidity and volatility that we find ourselves in in the financial markets is it the tool which can sort of it's i guess it's kind of got a unique liquidity and um even diversification in terms of investment class is it going to be able to kind of help us kind of levelize and get back to what normal used to look like do you think well well i think it's matthew i i want to emphasize that for me gold is not the solution to every problem and you know it's not the in germany we would say the eierlege in the wollmilchsau so it's it's not the um it doesn't doesn't solve all our problems yeah and and i think it's 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 really important to um to just you know crunch the numbers what does gold to your portfolio and we did that over the over the last couple of years we showed you know how does gold be behave for example in a stagflationary environment yeah um how does it behave uh in each stage of a recession for example yeah uh, short short answer uh gold is a great recession hedge um uh, while silver, for example, are also mining equities and, and commodities, um, they should rather be avoided at the early stages of a recession. And then only when the reflation starts. So when we see monetary and fiscal stimulus really kicking in. And, you know, this is always the reaction function of central banks and politicians uh, when the bad R word um, uh, comes around. You know, there's, there's, there's stimulus. But uh, over the whole recession cycle, gold does pretty well. Gold is also a pretty good um, um, equities hedge, actually. And and we we saw that in, in 2022, which was a, a disaster for uh, every balanced portfolio, you know, gold held up fairly well. It was, in, in dollar terms, it was basically flat. In euro terms, for example, uh, it was up like 5%. Uh, in pound terms, uh, gold was up 12%. So not not too shabby, I would say. Um, and I think, you know, we've got, oh, let, let's put it that way. Uh, we've got, I, I think the role of, of, of gold is not to make you rich, um, not to make, make you rich quickly, especially, um, if you want to achieve that, you can, you know, just speculate and buy a junior mining stock and take leverage. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a risky thing, especially, uh, these days, um, but I think that gold does a pretty good job in preserving your purchasing power over the long term. And we've got uh, a couple of charts uh, about that. For example, the, the gold Oktoberfest ratio, uh, where we got um, the, 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 the numbers, the prices for one you know, big mark, like one liter um, of um, beer at the Munich Oktoberfest. Um, and then said, well, actually, you know, uh, inflation rates at the Oktoberfest are, uh, I think, 4 to 5%. Measured in gold, actually, your purchasing power is quite stable. And we did the same thing with, with an iPhone, for example. Obviously, the iPhone was uh, introduced only in 2008. Um, and the first one, I think it came out at $499. Now, the most expensive one is $1,500. But measured in, 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 in the purchasing power of gold, actually you get more iPhone for one ounce of gold. So, so I think those comparisons are really important. Um, 
and therefore we always um um you know we tend to compare gold versus the US dollar versus the euro and other fiat currencies and not against equities yeah because this is just you know if you compare the um UK football team to the Austrian skiing team yeah that comparison doesn't really make any sense one is you know uh, money and the other one is a productive asset and the risks are obviously different but I think Matthew an important question um, would also be and this is a question that is um, not very often asked what are the biggest downside risks for gold what what could go wrong um, and from my point of view one of the bigger risks is obviously if this soft landing happens. Um, so that would be, you know, uh, uh, a, a risk um, that is that is clearly um, uh, um, something that would hurt the price of gold. So, you know, if the economy is cooling off, um, then the Federal Reserve slowly and gradually starts lowering interest rates. And then we'll see um, the next cycle um, um, uh, turning up again. Uh, is it possible? Yes, definitely. Um, and I think another risk, but this is more of a um, a longer term topic, is probably the fact that gold is facing quite a lot of criticism, um, also from the uh, ESG crowd and the younger generation. That you know, gold is kind of useless. Um, you know, it 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 uh, causes quite a lot of uh, emissions. Um, I think this is something that the industry really has to um, address and talk about. Um, obviously, in the ESG space, there was quite a lot of positive things happening over the last couple of years. I, I once wrote a piece saying that gold is actually quite green um, because, you know, you only have those uh, emissions just once when you dig it out of the ground and then you can basically... Um, just keep it for 5,000 years and it doesn't cause any emissions. But I think this is from, from, from large institutional players, this is really one big trend that I see as, as a threat. Um, there is huge pressure when it comes to um, uh, implementing ESG policies and gold at the moment really doesn't fit into that um, um, kind of uh, framework. Yeah, no. As I said, I wrote an article recently, um, as, as well, where, where we talked about you know gold kind of rediscovering its role as as real money in terms of hedging, you know, systematic risks, um, de debasement of the currencies, etc. Et and um, I, I well, actually, let me stop. It. I mean, do you? How do you view? Do you view gold as a currency? I'm trying to work out the kind of bias that I need to temper here. Is, is it a currency in, in, in your eyes? Is that is that its role? It's money, yeah. It's money. That, that's yeah. the way to look at it. it it's money. Okay, right. And so it, it just, you know, um, it has like, a, how do you say, um, um, kind of a ticker, um, uh, uh, XAU, uh, like other currencies do have. Um, it is still the primary, the, 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 the central um, reserve of most central banks. Um, they don't really enjoy talking about their gold holdings, but but still, you know, um, you know, the Western world has stopped selling gold, and as we said before, the the Eastern world emerging markets are very very aggressively buying gold. So so I think you know at some point, and 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 this shouldn't sound 
too too negative. I think at some point there will be a renegotiation of our monetary system. It has happened uh, every couple of decades. And I think that gold will play a major role in that. Uh, so therefore, I think there, there, and then we will not talk about 18, 1900, whatever, but rather, you know, significantly higher numbers um, for the price of gold. And I think you, you probably only need one of those um, gold revaluations uh, in your lifetime. That's that's basically enough. Um, but but I think that this monetary role of gold with, um, you know, Russia uh, invading Ukraine, I think that this was a wake-up call for, for within, um, you know, the global framework because, uh, you know, the US and the EU, EU basically said, well, you know, Russia, your 400 billions in FX reserves, uh, they are worthless. Um, so this is kind of the the, the, the framework, um, the, you know, the toolbox um, of sanctions. Well, actually, still the majority of all international reserves um, are in US dollar terms. So, so what you're going to do if you're not like the best friend of the United States, you have to reconsider and you want a currency or you want money that is, first of all, um, you know, traded 24-7, that doesn't have any counterparty risk, and that basically is accepted all over the globe. So I think that gold does this job pretty well. But then also uh, a new narrative is coming up, and Christine Lagarde was mentioning that um, in a somewhat, um, you know, she, she commented that, um, that countries like China and Russia are also using tools like gold. So, so I think one, one negative narrative that might be building um, beside the whole um, you know, ESG topic and criticism, uh, it could be that gold is only being used by the bad guys, uh, by the criminals, uh, you know, by those nations that are uh, against um, our Western liberal democracies. I think this could become a very powerful narrative going forward. Okay, now, final one. And I want you to deal with the part of the audience which is significant compared to the number of gold bars at the moment. I'm not talking governments, I'm talking investors looking at with physical gold coins, ETFs, equities, however they want to invest in gold. It's a small universe. To get more people into the space and to buy into what you're saying, um, I want to kind of give you a, a kind of couple of minutes to talk to them because look, your report is called In Gold We Trust. You sell merchandise, which pretty much says the same thing. It's like, you know, you, you're, you're, you've drunk the Kool-Aid, you, you're, you're totally uh, sold, you are gold guys. But what would you say to someone looking in and going, give me a more balanced argument. What is What should I be thinking that's going to make me believe what you're saying and buy gold in whatever form you know takes my fancy. What's what's a rational argument from someone who perhaps is you know just a little bit a little bit more less biased in appearance? Um, the high stock to flow ratio. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with the stock to flow ratio, but I think it's we were one of the very first ones to talk about it and um, and this natural inflation rate of gold that is currently 1.6%, I think this, from my point of view, this is the strongest argument for gold. This is the strongest reason why I believe that gold 
uh, will continue its 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 doing its job, um, preserving purchasing power. Especially if you compare this natural inflation number to um, monetary inflation by central banks, yeah, and and I'm not only talking about what central banks uh, are, are creating because, uh, you know, we we are often focusing too much uh, of our criticism on central bankers and the majority of money is actually created uh, in the commercial banking system. Um, but I think this, um, this, this, this confidence and this trust that I have that um, no central banker, no politician can basically um, increase um, um, the supply of my gold at will. This is so powerful. And, you know, um, I often hear, you know, what, what if there is like, a, um, you know, if we start mining on asteroids or, or on the moon or whatever, uh, and we will have a, a special chapter about that in our upcoming Gold with Trust report. Um, I just want to say, well, actually, I know quite a lot of companies that, that try to, um, that try to mine gold uh, on the ground of the ocean. And so far, we haven't seen any success yet. It's just not that easy. So um, I, I, I think this stock-to-flow ratio, so, so basically, just to explain it, there is roughly uh, 200,000 tons of gold around. Um, this is the gold that was mined uh, over the last, let's say, 5,000 years. Um and then the, the annual production, uh, the annual gold mining is, is roughly, let's say, 3,000 tons. So if you divide that, you basically get the stock-to-flow ratio. Uh, and if you invert that, you get the natural inflation rate. And this natural inflation rate is, is fairly stable. So we crunched the numbers. Um, and actually, uh, the natural inflation rate of, of, of the gold supply was hovering between 0.9% and 2.5%. So very, very stable. Well, if you compare that to monetary inflation, well, this is actually much, much more volatility. So that was obviously monetary deflation during the Great Depression. And then over the last couple of years, we saw, you know, inflation rates, so monetary inflation being up significantly. Um, of course, um, we've got um, some sort of... Um, uh, a little brother coming up and growing up pretty quickly, which is Bitcoin. And Bitcoin has very, very similar um, attributes like gold, but this stock-to-flow ratio uh, argument is even more powerful. So next year, we will see the halving. So then actually, um, the inflation rate of Bitcoin um, will be reduced by 50%. So, so then this inflation rate will, will be um, below gold's inflation. And therefore, you know, we, we've, we've been facing quite a lot of criticism for combining gold and Bitcoin in some of our funds. We got criticism from the gold community, but also from the Bitcoin community because they said, well, you know, gold is just, you know, a thing of the past. From our point of view, it makes sense to, to combine the both. Um, a monetary technology that is around for 5,000 years and another one that is hardly a teenager now, uh, obviously with with higher volatility, uh, but also, um, you know, significant upside. So it is really, if you put it in a nutshell, it is fiat money versus hard money versus sound money. I think this is really 
the core of the discussion. And then when it comes to Bitcoin, of course, I mean, it's it's basically backed by the technology and you have to trust uh, the technology and the code. And when it comes to gold, um, it is just natural scarcity. Um, you know, you're doing so many fantastic interviews with, with gold mining companies and it's just very, very hard to find um, large, um, you know, economic uh, uh, um, uh, gold projects, yeah? And, and, and how many uh, do come on stream every year? It is, um, it is something where we have to say, well, actually, if, if gold prices rise significantly, if you get 3,000 uh, uh, an ounce, of course, gold production will rise, but not immediately. There's time lags involved. So, so I think this stock to flow argument is really one thing that I think is under research in the gold sphere, but it is really, really powerful. But it's kind of, it's an interesting one because you you talk you talk about the kind of your three thousand tons per annum in a market of what three three hundred thousand tons of gold in the last five thousand years. So obviously it's it's not coming through quickly. It's getting more expensive to find, harder to find, lower grades, all of those sorts of things. But is it going into a space that wants it? You talked about, you know, you preferring tech stocks or getting distracted by other things or not, quite frankly, even if they were interested, being able to afford it because the you know the debt pile they've just inherited from from our generation. Um do you do you think that um do you think that gold's lack of utility in that sense, as far as that that audience is concerned, will kind of consign it to you know to history. You, you've argued very strongly in the last sort of twenty minutes, so that that won't be the case. But in a market where battery operated cars and clean energy and green energy, and he seems seemingly the the agenda that's being sort of thrust on them, are they going to have a chance to sort of look up and and see that actually gold is part of their economic future. Do you think that they're going to understand it? I mean, you produced a, a huge report here. I assume it's not for that audience. Um, so, do, do you do you feel that you need to, or the industry needs to address gold's role for them going forward specifically? I think the gold industry clearly has to make gold cool again um, and make it, you know, interesting for the for the younger generation. And I can tell you this: this gold iPhone ratio is. People, people love it and, and the kids love it. And, and I think that, well, first of all, you know, we always say, well, that the young generation doesn't really care about that, but, but the young generation grows up. Uh, and I think that, you know, I don't know you too well, but when you were like a teenager or, 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 or a young kid, I think, you know, asset allocation and preserving wealth was probably not your, your highest priority. Um, and you know, everybody is, you know, um, punk or, you know, um, just a, a rebel or whatever when, when, when he's young, but we grow up and we, 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 you know, we, we're as families, we become more conservative. So I think it's, it's important also to, to talk about the young, uh, with the younger generation, um, about the virtues of gold. Um, this is the, 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 the future buyers. Uh, of gold, and I can tell you, if if I'm doing um, presentations, I would say um, the audience is between 50 and 80. Uh, so, so my wife isn't uh, too jealous most of the time when I say, "Well, I'm uh, 
I'm doing a couple of keynotes. Um, but I think this is really something that, that the industry has to address. But then another thing that was um, being, uh, you know, highlighted by a friend of mine who's very, very well connected in, in London. He says that, um, and this goes more into the direction of the mining space. He says that the perception of gold in the, um, for institutional investors is, is so bad nowadays that he expects um, that many gold miners will, will try to appear more like copper miners because copper is being regarded as something positive, you know, something green, while gold is regarded as something negative and dirty and useless. So I think this is really important and, and, and you know, most people that criticize um, gold and mining in general probably have never visited the mine. I saw so many mining projects in my life and I can tell you, first of all, most of the companies are doing a tremendous job nowadays because they are getting, you know, lots of pressure also from capital markets. Um, so, so this is one thing and then obviously um, most, most gold mines are copper mines and most copper mines are also gold mines. That's yeah. <laughs> how you want to create the story. But this is something that, you know, I think the industry and, market commentators and the world gold council also we really try to address um to 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 and 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 pick up this opportunity because i think with the whole green revolution that is going on and you know so much interest in in, in you know um solar industry and evs and you know so many uh, po even politicians now wake up and say, well, actually, commodities aren't something bad. There's something that we actually need. And I, I always said that, you know, if you want to achieve those goals, we need more mining and not less mining. And I think the job of the gold industry will also be to make a strong case for gold, why it's useful, um, and especially not, you know, in a too gloomy way. Because I think that, People want to buy, you know, positive emotions and not only fear, hyperinflation, civil war, and so on. And there's a very, very positive case for gold uh, that can be made. Yeah. Okay. And and, and so I said it would be the last question, but this this definitely will be definitely. What? Who who do you who do you write the report for? Do you know what I mean? Because it's like uh, you're sponsored by twenty one gold companies. You, you 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 said you love gold. Um, you know, gold gold is something you you believe in. So, when you started out, you probably had one mission. Now, who do you, who do you do that? Who do you write that for? Is it a, a a an honest search for the truth about gold's role in all of this? And you know, where where what gold can do as an investment class, what it can you know do for economies, etc. Or has it become a spokesperson for the gold industry? In which case, you know, and, I, and I've seen a lot of pressure. Of like, if you write things that people want to hear, they they applaud you. Like, you know, you were saying that you know you kind of you're you're spanning this hinterland between Bitcoin and, and gold. You know, and you're not you're not pleasing either of them entirely. So, who who are you writing it for? I guess like it's, and I mean that in a very deep way, rather than you know the audience who actually read this. I think it's it's another great question, Matthew. First of all, it's it's for me it's um, more efficient than you know going to the shrink, 
um, because I, you know, I, I read so much stuff. You know, this is only part of my my library. Um, I, I I read. I try to read like a couple of books every month. Uh, I, I I I read newsletters. Um, I'm active on Twitter. Uh, probably too active. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I talked to many of our clients, yeah, to, 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 you know, to the Uber driver, to whatever, to, uh, to business owners. And, and, you know, there's just so much information and thoughts in my head, then it's, that it's really, um, it's just, it's, it's just very, how do you say, um, clearing your mind by, by writing is something that I truly enjoy. And I always really love the topic of gold because it's not about gold. It's about, it's about interest rates. It's about, you know, uh, inflation. It's about the economy. It's about geopolitics. It's, uh, you know, we write about mining stocks. We write about ESG. We write about historical things. So it is really a topic that never gets boring for me and, and, and for my team. And obviously the report, I mean, compared to when I started it and, and I was um, started it in the bank um, due to my uh, a very successful mining investment that I had that um, that got me interested in, in the topic of gold. Um, and it ended up as a 40 bagger, which was a blessing. Uh, Osisco Exploration. So okay. Osisco bought the, the monatic project from, from Barry Gold, I think for, for, for 80,000 bucks. Um, and then, you know, yeah. they went from an explorer to, 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 um, you know, um, developing, what was it? Is it the largest or the second largest, uh, gold mine in Canada? So, so I thought that's, that's pretty easy, <laughs> uh, but this really got me interested into the topic of gold. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about the Austrian School of Economics because it's not taught at all in Austria. I didn't know too much about, you know, how our monetary system works, how money is created, because that's also not taught at business school. Um, so, so for me, it is something that I truly, truly enjoy. Uh, and now we've got roughly 20 people. I've got a fabulous team working on the report. Uh, and we've got those premium partners and they can, um, they, 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 they cannot interfere. So I could put out a, a target price of 500 and they couldn't do anything. Um, so we are really hundred percent independent. And what we really want to do is, um, to make a, a good, a solid, uh, sophisticated case for gold, um, just showing what it does in a portfolio context, what it cannot achieve, uh, which is also important, that it works as a portfolio diversifier. We write about, you know, the challenges of the mining sector. I mean, a topic that <laughs> that you know quite a lot about. Um, so, so, so this is something that we can, first of all, we enjoy. We're getting tremendous feedback from all over the globe. Um, so this is very rewarding, but it is also something that we can use for our asset management process. Yeah, if we've got a strong um, view on interest rates, yeah, on inflation, on you know where are we in the in the mining space? Uh, what about valuations? What about the technical setup? This is something that is very valuable for 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 our investment funds and for our clients. So yeah, that's that's basically why I still love writing the In Gold We Trust report. Right, and then you say you're seeing some 
more generalists signing up for this, you know, wanting to read the report? Because that's been the problem. It's been it's a very select group of institutional bios in, in, in the space, right? We, we, we know Google. Okay. It was never big enough for the big boys to place their, you know, 500 million, 1 billion, whatever type bets on, on the sector, and certainly not at an, with equities. That's, that's for sure. But are you seeing generalists leaning in and maybe having a conversation or trying to understand this or not yet? No, I would say it's, um, first of all, I mean, Gold is one of the most liquid markets. I mean, there's hundreds of billion per day. So um, so it is one of the most liquid assets or, let's say, currencies out there, definitely. Obviously, in the mining space, uh, not so much. And, and, and this is something, you know, I'm going to the, um, to the Beaver Creek Conference, the Precious Metal Summit uh, uh, in a couple of days. And everybody is always waiting for generalists really coming in. And we saw that I think a couple of years ago when uh, when when Berkshire Hathaway bought into Barry Gold, I think, and everybody said, "Well, Warren Buffett, you know, he's now into gold stocks, but he, he sold it quite quickly again." I don't see generalists coming in at the moment. Um, from what I see, it's a really tough environment for for tuna explorers, for developers, especially. You know, with capital costs rising significantly, risk appetite is not here. Um, I think it's a, it's a pretty good setup for, for, for the large, you know, majors. Um, they're making huge amounts of, uh, of free cash flow, doing pretty well. And I think they, they, they will continue to buy when there's blood on the street and uh, there will be more blood probably. I think it's a good setup for, for the royalty space. Um, but I, so far, I don't really see generalists coming in and, and this may... You know, I think that um, ETF demand and ETF flows are a really good way to to, to gauge um, Western financial investors' flows. And over the last couple of months, they kept selling. Um, I think that as soon as we will hit new all-time highs in U.S. dollar terms, and this is important to emphasize because gold has made new all-time highs in basically every currency uh, over the last couple of months, but not in U.S. dollar terms. And at the moment, you know, we're like 100 bucks away from new all-time highs and the sentiment, you know, people couldn't care less. So that's a good sign. But we need this reversal in interest rates. We need this reversal in, um, for example, we had a great chart uh, showing that every time the, the two-year yields um, started uh, uh, trending down, this was the inflection point for new big gold bull markets. So... So I think we need those those strong headwinds um, to 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 dissolve, and then I'm pretty sure that at some point generalist investors will come back. Ronnie, thanks very much for today. Really lovely to talk to you. I'll see you on Beaver Creek. Yeah, I'll see you there as well. Looking forward to meeting you in person. Uh, yeah, I greatly enjoyed that. Thank you very much for the invitation.